Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew, Bible teacher and pastor of Grace Valley Christian Center, located in Davis, California. Today, Pastor Matthew will be preaching a sermon given at Grace Valley Christian Center entitled, How to Die Well. Now, here is our teacher, Pastor Matthew. From meaninglessness to fullness of meaning. Or how to die well. There are two ways to die. Jesus Christ said in John chapter 8. Either we can die in our sins. Or as St. Paul tells us. We can fall asleep in Jesus. Die in our sins or die in Jesus Christ. To die well, one must live well. What does it mean to live well? It means to live by faith in Jesus Christ, who destroyed death by his death on the cross. Ecclesiastes 12 deals with the subject of death. Yeah, we all are going to die. All of a sudden we feel problem in the heart there is problem in the hands and problem everywhere since everyone who is born must die and everyone who is hearing me today must die one day it is extremely important to consider the subject of death subject of dying well we must consider how to die in Christ who said I am the resurrection and life he who believes in me will live even though he dies and whosoever lives and believes in me shall never die This book of Ecclesiastes contains the philosophical and theological reflections of an old man, son of David, a king of Jerusalem, probably Solomon, whose life was meaningless for the most part because he had not himself relied on God. In obedience to his word. The old man wrote this letter. Not for old people. The old man wrote this letter for young people. So I'm speaking especially to young people today. The old man wrote this letter to young people. Telling them how they ought to live. Meaningful lives. And die well. He discovered the truth. That life not centered on God. Is only frustration. All the time. Jesus said. What does it profit? A man. If he gains the whole world. And lose. His own soul. Meaningful life 
is a life that looks to God as the ultimate standard and point of reference. To view personal happiness or enjoyment as life's greatest good is sheer folly. The summum bonum of our life is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. We are happy truly when we seek the kingdom of God first. Someone said that Ecclesiastes is really intended to be a tract for the conversion of the young self-sufficient intellectual. It compels him to discard his comfortable self-flattering illusions and face honestly the instability of all those materialistic props on which he attempts to base his security. So I want to speak to you about three things. The props of meaninglessness. The prospect of our certain and inevitable death. And the person of God in Christ. Our meaning and life. Props. People have many, many props. They are devised to give them meaning and happiness. Take, for instance, labor, toil, work. The preacher tells us all toil is meaningless and frustrating without God. There is no satisfaction. It is utter futility. The word Hebrew, hebel, means wind. Meaninglessness, vanity, wind. Unsubstantial. 38 times he uses, it's wind. That which you consider your success. The preacher says it's wind, it's nothing. And it is less than nothing. It is frustration. All labor, frustration without God. Or look at the prop of intellectualism. This unending research for wisdom is also totally meaningless. Everyone knows God from natural and scriptural revelation. Yet he is still researching. Research has become the be all and end all of the unbelieving person. His happiness is in research itself. He refuses to worship and serve the God he already knows. He actively, as an enemy, is suppressing daily this knowledge. Through his research and greater wickedness. So I'm saying all such intellectual pursuit is frustrating to him. 
or look at the prop of riches. What of amassing great wealth? The preacher says even this is meaningless. Wind, breath, mist, nothing. Greater wealth does not bring greater happiness. In fact, we are told the love of money is the root of all evil. People who run after such things, people who run after riches and not seek God fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. They pierce themselves with many griefs and the Bible gives us a number of illustrations. Achan, Balaam, Solomon, Ananias, Sapphira, Judas, Demas, and so on. Acquisition of money is slavery. It is a never-ending task. It is like drinking salt water. He who drinks from this well will thirst again. That is what frustration is. Increased income means increased expenditures. One wants to spend more. New bills are coming in all the time. Spend, spend, and spend in search of this elusive satisfaction and happiness. And not only that, the rich cannot sleep well. He's worrying about his investments. He may lose it all. And he suffers from insomnia. And must depend on chemicals. He's also frustrated because he cannot be certain who is going to inherit his wealth. He's especially also frustrated after he has amassed his wealth. He realizes he must die and leave his riches to the government. Remember the rich fool of Luke 12 who planned to build bigger barns to store his fortune. He told himself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night, your life will be demanded from you. You must die. Naked you came into this world. Naked you must go out of this world. This is vanity, wind, mist, frustration, nothing, meaninglessness. So we can also talk about political power. We can talk about building projects. We can talk about large estates. We can also talk about pursuit of beauty and eternal youth through plastic surgeries. We can talk about pursuit of sensual pleasures. But the truth is all Epicureanism ends in utter frustration. Yes. All those things we call success is wind, 
frustration, misery. And secondly, let's speak about the prospect of inevitable and certain death. Everyone you hear me is going to die. If you don't believe me, talk to an actuary. He'll tell you. And he'll tell you exactly what's going to happen to you. (laughs) That's how he makes a living. Solomon tried everything. He had wives and concubines. He had children. He had palaces. He had wisdom. He wrote books. He had political power. He built palaces. He farmed. He had gold and silver. He had ships. He had friends. But he was frustrated. When we seek happiness directly, we get frustration. When we seek the glory of God, we truly become happy. Our hearts are restless until they find rest in God. The chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Solomon, you must die. Let's turn to chapter 12 of Ecclesiastes. Remember you were created in the days of your youth before. Notice the days of trouble come. That's a stubborn fact. The days of trouble come. We must face that stubborn fact. You were searching for pleasure and the days of trouble come and you say what? I have no pleasure in them. All the things I worked for disappoint me. Surrounded by his props. I have no pleasure in them. As paintings, beautiful music, your favorite food, your friends. You say what? I have no pleasure in them. Maybe you can have a lot of pornography. And you look at that and you say, what? I have no pleasure in that. And so look at it. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark, the picture is the winter is coming. The winter of your life. Light is a picture of life and it is gone. There is cloud, there is darkness. That is the idea here. The moon and the stars grow dark. And the clouds return after the rain. Storm clouds of trouble are coming. You can count on it. It is coming for you. You feel a little pain here. And your palms get a little wet. You don't, cannot stand your legs fall. Look at it, says. When the keepers of the house tremble, and the keepers of the house tremble, that has to do with the arms and the hand that trembles. See, I feel that right now. It's difficult to sign a check. And the banks call, you say, what's wrong with you? <laughs> Your signature is changing. It's been changing for a long time now. And look, it says, and the strong men stoop. That speaks about the legs. The strong men stoop. 
They said you were the best player in basketball. Now it's not true. Your legs stoop. And the grinders cease because they are few speaking about teeth. I know why you are laughing because you don't have it. <laughs> we are looking forward to the time you can take the whole teeth out and put <laughs> in a glass of water. <laughs> Grinders cease because they are few. And those looking through the windows grow dim speaking about the eyes. Which is also true of you. (laughs) When the doors to the street are closed. That is speaking about hearing. Praise God for these little machines. They charge a lot of money. (laughs) And you have some of it in your ears, you know. Praise God for scientific ingenuity until you die. When men rise up at the sound of birds, well, maybe you don't have to sleep 10 hours anymore. That's something you can look forward to. Suffering from insomnia. And all their songs grow faint. No more music appreciation. It's all gone. When men are afraid of heights, and you know what it is, you breathe harder. Oh yes, there was a time you hiked Trinity Mountain. You were skiing on Lake Tahoe region. (laughs) Now it is all just a memory. When the almond trees blossom, speaking about graying your hair everywhere. And the grasshopper drags himself along, lumbering along. The spring of the feet is gone. And you were a kid, you were skipping along. Now lumbering along. And desire no longer is stirred. This is a translation. Actually, in Hebrew, caperberry doesn't do any good. In olden times, caperberry was an appetizer and an aphrodisiac. Now you can eat tons of it. It wouldn't do any good. (laughs) No more desire. It's all gone. Then man goes to his eternal home. And there is a funeral procession. And mourners go about the streets. And in verse 6, other metaphors. Remember him before the silver cord is severed or the golden bowl is broken that is speaking about a golden lamp fastened to the ceiling by a silver cord and it snaps and the lamp falls and the light is out light is the symbol of life light is gone another metaphor before the pitcher the clay pitcher Speaking about the water container. Water is the symbol of life. And you go to the spring to get water. But what happened to the pitcher? It is shattered. But not only the pitcher is shattered. The wheel that brought water from the well is also broken down. Water then is a symbol of life. It is gone. Speaking about death. And the dust returns to the ground it came from. 
disintegration. In Genesis 2, 7, God made man out of the clay. That is integration. But now disintegration. The spirit returns to God who gave it. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. All life is meaningless. You must understand all life that is not centered in God. Is what he's talking about. Is meaningless. Misery. Frustration. Turn with me to Second Samuel. There is an illustration. The 19th chapter of Second Samuel. There is an 80 year old man. His name is Barzillai. Very rich man. Who provided for King David in his sojourn when he was running away from his son who pursued to kill him and now he is returning to Jerusalem because his son is killed and Barzillai comes to meet him 2nd Samuel 19 beginning with verse 32 now Barzillai was very old man 80 years of age he had provided for the king during his stay in Mahanaim for he was a very wealthy man the king said to Barzillai cross over with me and stay with me in Jerusalem and I will provide for you you will have a good time you can hear great music and eat a lot of fine food and you can hear about philosophies being discussed. It's great to live in the court of David. Please come. But listen to the answer. But Barzillai answered the king, How many more years will I live? That I should go up to Jerusalem with the king. I am now 80 years old. Can I tell the difference between what is good and what is not? Can your servant taste what he eats and drinks? The answer is what? Can I still hear the voices of men and women singers? Why should your servant be an added burden to my Lord the King? The prospect of death. The inevitability of it. The prospect of disintegration. The light is about to go and the picture is about to be broken. Dust returns to dust. This is the result of man's separation from God. And therefore soul is separated from body. That is what death is. It is not God's plan. It is because of human sin. All is meaningless. He introduced us in chapter 1 saying all is meaningless. And he concludes now by all is meaningless. All of life is meaningless if self-centered and autonomous. Let me tell you, this meaninglessness and frustration and misery is divine judgment upon human sin. Man is created to have fellowship with him and enjoy him and he is not going to find any meaning and happiness apart from that. And the third, the person of God in Christ, our meaning and life. So we are told 
Remember your Creator in the days of your youth. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Without God, whole of life is meaningless. It is frustration. It is chasing after wind. Nothing would make sense. And the life of such a person is a continuous restlessness. He cannot live with his wife. He has to divorce her. He is restless. Remember your creator. The problem is worship of creation rather than creator. That's idolatry. And man is looking for meaning and purpose and satisfaction and happiness in running after creation. That's what the Gentiles do, Jesus said. They run after these things. But you don't do that. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Idolatry God will not tolerate. God created all. God created you. You are his. You must do his will. Remember the creator in the days of your youth. What does it mean? Remember. Turn with me to 119th verse. 119th Psalm verse 55. It tells you what it means. In the night I remember you. O Lord. And I will keep your law. Remembrance is not some kind of mental reflection that doesn't affect your life. Remember God means be governed by him and by his word, by his rule. Order your life in the light of God. You think God and do his will. That's what remembrance is all about. Turn to the book of Judges chapter 8. This remembrance of God is contrasted with idolatry and self-sufficiency. And God opposes self-sufficiency, autonomy. Judges 8 and verse 34. They set up Balbareth as their God and did not remember the Lord their God who had rescued them from the hands of all their enemies on every side. Here a life governed by God is contrasted with idolatry. So remember God is to worship God and serve God and be ruled by God. That's what remembrance is all about. He must hate and oppose all autonomy and self-sufficiency. We are not our own. We belong to God who created us. He is Meaning for us. Eliminate him. You become a fool. And you become meaningless. And restless. And miserable. And depressed. Abandon therefore the lie of independence. And self-sufficiency. Because it is a lie we live and move and have our being in God. There is the counsel of the old man. Remember, repent, return, and render obedience to our God. Let fear of God govern us. The preacher tells us, get back to his commandments. Get back to the word of God. Be regulated by his unchanging word. 
It is in theonomy we find meaning and happiness, not in autonomy. Theonomy means God's rule of us. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Be born again and enter into the kingdom of God, which is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. But how can a rebel, a sinner, come to God and fellowship with God? How can a sinner, rebel, can ever please God? St. Paul tells us an unbeliever is without God and without hope in the world. He's dead in his trespasses and sins. We need a savior. We need a mediator. We need a high priest who will, through his sacrifice, restore us to God and reconcile us to God. And the word of God tells us we have such a mediator, a savior, a great high priest. He is the eternal word. He is the eternal son of God. He is Christ the Lord. And he came into this world. And he feared God. The spirit of the fear of God was upon him. And he always pleased God. He lived a life of theonomy. He is Christ the Lord. Jesus Christ lived a life that was totally meaningful. When we live in service to God, we find meaning and purpose and happiness. He said in the volume of the book, it is written of me, and he came to do the will of God. He came to glorify God. He lived a perfect life. He pleased God always. He lived for us and he died as our substitute, bearing our sins on the cross. He is the Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world. He calls to himself all sinners who are weary and heavy laden. Sinners who are sick and tired of living a meaningless, miserable life. He calls you to himself. He says, come to me, and I'll give you rest. I'll put an end to your research, in other words. I am meaning, purpose, life, and hope. He is righteousness for us. He is sanctification for us. He is redemption for us. He is our peace. He is our eternal life. He destroyed death by his once for all death on the cross. And he offers to all rebels eternal life freely. You may be a Hindu. You may be a Muslim. You may be whatever you are. It makes no difference. There is only one savior. Every one of you without Jesus Christ is miserable. You have no meaning. God said so. I believe God. And he who believes in him shall never die. He gives us eternal pleasures in his presence. Those who repent and believe on the Savior will fear God. Will love God. Will delight in obeying his word. To such a person, all of life is meaningful. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Even a cup of water you give to someone who is thirsty is meaningful. All of life is meaningful. 
But without Jesus Christ, nothing is meaningful. So stop chasing after wind. Stop chasing after God. Substitute. Seek God. For he is seeking you. He came to seek and save that which is lost. Seek him now, he says. Now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Seek him now. When you are young. And when you have spring on your feet. When you have maximum desires. When you can skip and leap for joy. Seek him at 5, 10, 15, 20 years of age. Seek him as early as possible. Very rarely an old man turns to Christ for salvation. Very rarely. You know your parents died without Christ. They heard about Jesus Christ. They mocked him. Some people say my parents died and went to hell. I love my parents. I want to go to hell. That is a terrible, illogical reasoning, isn't it? Your parents died and they went to hell. But you are alive. And God offers you heaven and eternal life. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. He may be found now. He is near now. The Bible says today if you hear his voice. Harden not your hearts. And you heard his voice. You heard about Jesus Christ. You heard his person and you heard his work. He came to redeem us. Turn to chapter 12. Let me look, tell you. Verse 1. This is the counsel for young people. Remember your creator. <clears throat> now the third line. Before the days of trouble come. Notice that word before. Underline. Before. Look at verse 2. Before the sun and light and the moon and the stars grow dark. Before. Look at verse 6. Remember him. Before the silver cord is severed. And verse 6 again. Before the pitcher is shattered at the spring. Before. That means now. That means when you are young. The more you sin, the more you are hardened against God. That's going to happen. That's why very rarely an old man will come to know Jesus Christ. And let me tell you, you never know when God will demand your soul from you. Maybe today. Don't think you are young and so you have many more years before you can turn to God. And notice then the last verse. For God will bring every deed into judgment. It's a certain reason is given. See if life is meaningless there will not be any judgment. But life is full of meaning. Therefore there is going to be a judgment. Will you be justified? That's my question on that day. If all is meaningless then there cannot be a judgment. But there is a judgment. It is appointed for man once to die and then comes the judgment. And the appointed judge we are told is Jesus Christ himself who died and rose again. 
He will judge everything you have ever imagined, thought, and done, whether good or evil. And on that day, you will stand before God. And he would say to you, you were in that church. And he, my servant, preached the gospel to you. And what did you say to him? My parents went to hell, therefore I want to go to hell. And your words will convict you. He will expose all your secrets on the day of judgment. The psalmist said in Psalm 90, you have set our iniquities before you. Our secret sins in the light of your presence. It's there. Jesus said there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. That physical death is a prelude to the eternal death that is awaiting you in God's judgment. Paul said this judgment will take place on the day when God will judge men's secrets through Jesus Christ as my gospel declares. On that day, books of our thoughts and works will be opened. And everyone whose name is not found in the book of life will be thrown into the lake of fire, which is second death, yeah. eternal death. You are still living. You are still breathing. The palms are feeling all right. There is no pain in the chest right now. Yes, there's a lot of arthritis. That is true. But you are still living. You are still breathing. You still hear the voice of God. The word is coming to you. A man who lives without God is living a life of total frustration and folly. So the preacher is saying, turn to Jesus Christ. Call upon him and be saved. Then you will enjoy life, eternal life. In his presence is fullness of joy on his right hand. Eternal pleasures. Then you can pray the prayer of William Lord, L-A-U-D. And this is the prayer he prayed. You may not pray this prayer if you do not trust in Jesus Christ. But I want you to consider trusting in Jesus Christ. So you can pray this prayer. Grant, O Lord, that we may live in thy fear. Die in thy favor. Rest in thy peace, rise in thy power, reign in thy glory, for thine own beloved Son's sake, Jesus Christ our Lord. Then you will be able to answer the man who says everything is meaningless, and there is no morality, no design, no purpose. We are chemically determined, everything is materialistic. There is no living and true God. Everything is in vain. Do what you please. Then you can tell such a person. When the perishable puts on imperishable. And the mortal puts on immortality. Then shall come to pass the saying that is written. Death is swallowed up in victory. Therefore my beloved brethren. Be steadfast, 
immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. There it is, the meaning in the person of Jesus Christ. There is a way to die well, live a good life. Whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Remember your creator in the days of your youth, son. Remember Jesus Christ, the son of God, savior of the world. Look to his gospel. Keep his word, then you shall die in hope of the glory of God. At your death, the angels shall bear your soul to the glorious presence of our God. They will take you to paradise. And you shall be with the Lord forevermore. Don't worry about your father and mother. Where they went. They had their opportunity. They rejected Jesus Christ. They chose their own way. But you are here today. Today if you hear his voice. Harden not your heart. Life without Christ is a life of utter frustration. And so I plead with you, I beg you, call upon the name of the Lord. Trust in him, and you shall be saved. Heavenly Father, have mercy upon us. Turn us, O Lord, that we may be turned. Help us to remember. Help us to repent. And help us to do what is pleasing in your sight. Through Jesus Christ, our only Savior. Amen.